Gospel of Matthew, I want to invite you to go to the Gospel of Matthew, the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes there. This is where the first time in the New Testament that Jesus uses this phrase, this word, blessed, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So I want to read um, the first several verses here in uh, the first of the Sermon on the Mount, verses 3 and following in Matthew chapter 5. We'll have a word of prayer and then uh, get into our message that we have this morning. Turn this on. There we go. This is God's Word, Matthew chapter 5 and beginning in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger, And thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is God's word. Let's pause and ask God to speak to our hearts. God, we need you. Because these are spiritual things. These truths from your Bible, the natural man doesn't receive them. We can't comprehend them. We need your spirit. So God, I depend and submit to your spirit to use his sword now. God, would you in these moments change us, renew us, renew our thinking through the word of God. Lord, would you change our affections, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the word blessed is a wonderful term. Christians use it. Non-Christians use it. Nominal Christians use it. Um, Blessed. You see this often on social media, the hashtag blessed, you know? And people say, got a new car, hashtag blessed. Had a new grandbaby, hashtag blessed. Went to the beach, hashtag blessed. Had, Had this happen, hashtag blessed. Got a promotion, hashtag blessed. People use the term, everybody wants to use the term blessed. We're, how, how you doing? I'm blessed. Uh, bless your heart, you know. Achoo, bless you. You know where that came from? I was thinking that there were spirits and that when someone sneezed, it came out and you had a priest bless them. So it's kind of, you know, don't do that. Um, I remember when we lived down south, um, you know, here and down south, you know, the kind of the, the passive get at you type things. Uh, code for if you ever wanted to gossip or tailbear about someone or say something bad about someone was to say, well, bless their heart. They're just, you know, and then you kind of, but you'd start with that. Well, bless their heart, you know, and, um, but we might hear someone say, well, I am blessed to have this. I am blessed to have that. And um, it's, but the, the, the word blessed is a biblical word, but I'm going to contend and put before you this morning that it's been hijacked. 
Um, It has been hijacked, and today in these moments, I want to try through God's Word and through the help of the Holy Spirit to reclaim blessed, um, not only in your minds, but in your hearts and in our vocabulary. And I know sometimes people say stuff and they don't mean it, and we use words and things like that, but I think, uh, and I don't want to be like the the word Nazi, because you you can just uh, get really in big trouble if you're always... You know, you can't say good morning or good day or anything because it has connections with etymologies. And there, there's a sense in which we have to forget about etym- etymologies and just focus on the usage of words. But I do think vocabulary is important. And so, um, and also I want to just share, so uh, why I'm thinking this and why we're doing this today. So, um, uh, we often have a different summer series here, and um, and this summer I was thinking about a summer in the Psalms because the Psalms can kind of you know they're, they're, there's not this there's themes in the Psalms, but uh, they're often disconnected in a sense they can stand on their own. So as people and myself are in and out, it would be a good thing. And then uh, looking at Psalm one, this the topic and as in the scripture reading that what the blessed man is came up, and so I was thinking about that and. Um, and of course, we're in the midst of tran- transition now, and so you just kind of embrace all the awkward things that come with transitioning and all that, and uh, which is, um, and just name it. And so three weeks ago, when I announced to you all that, that I was um, leaving and resigning, and we at that time, we uh, didn't really know where we were going, although I had a couple ideas and nothing concrete. And uh, this past Sunday, when we were gone, um, the, that heard back Sunday night that the Lord called us to a uh, has called us with a, a very positive uh, call to another church. And, but so, uh, anyway, in the midst of that, because when we told you all we were leaving, we were letting know where the Lord was going to land us and anything like that. So my little brother, he, uh, he basked in that, those couple, two or three weeks because he enjoyed the title of being the only one of us siblings with a job and living on their own. And so, so he had his two weeks of glory that he will remind me of forever now. And um, anyway, but a big worry in any transition is um, selling your house, right? You know, and um, uh, so a uh, couple weeks ago, the last Sunday I was here with you, um, uh, the Friday before we, I talked to a friend high, from high school, uh, she and her husband are realtors, and uh, they listed our house on Friday and um, by uh, that Monday, we had had two offers and were under contract. Um, and it was under contract for more than we were even planning on listing it for. And, um, and I thought, wow, God has really blessed us. And, um, and I thought, man, I want to put this on Twitgram. I mean, MySpace or um, Instachat, right? Why are you shaking your head, Jay? <laughs> um, anyway, I, and, and then I thought, but what about all the people out there that, are, that haven't had to sell their house or struggling with that? And then I thought, well, man, God's really blessed us in this. And then I thought, well, then I thought when we moved here and it took us nine months to sell our house. And that was one of the biggest financial trial, trials that Jamie and I've had in our almost 15 years of being married. And, you know, struggling with that, with, you know, mortgage and rent, both, and figuring all those things out, and utilities, and, and you know, do you, do you continue giving? Do you continue being faithful to the Lord and what he's called you to financially to give? And ha, do you, what, and, and those were some trials, and I thought, well, were we not blessed then? And it made me start thinking, well, what's it mean to be blessed? 
It's easy to say, oh, this happened, this was great, hashtag blessed. But what about when it was a really long time? And so what does it mean? So that's the question before us today. What does it mean to be blessed? And then the question is, what happens if you don't feel blessed? What happens when you lose a salary and hence losing a loss of, uh, causing a loss of income or home or you lose health and you're struggling and it doesn't seem like things are getting any better? Do you feel blessed? What about when you lose relationships? Maybe that through a friendships or divorce or something that causes all those things. And we often associate hashtag blessed with the positive circumstances, wealth, comfort, absence of problems, but not with the others. And we do that when it comes to personally, we do that when it comes to corporately, we do that when it comes to churches or ministries or whatnot, and we forget that the Bible is very complex in this. You know, so you would see a man named, named Job, who seems like he's so blessed, and then he loses everything, and his friends come, and they speak truth that is truth, but it's not applied in the right way and in the right timing. Because, and, and so they say, well, God, you've you, you got to be something. You're hiding something. There's something going on here. And you, God's cursing you because you've lost all this. And, 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 and Job does a lot of talking, he, defending himself and talking. And then he comes to a point that he's like, you know what? And God takes him out and says, and this is um, boys and girls here. I'm going to just, this is where I think there's dinosaurs in the Bible. So God takes him out and says, look on Leviathan and Behemoth. Who's made them? Who controls them? And things like this. And Job looks at these and he sees these beasts and he thinks like that. And, and he sees the greatness of God and Behemoth and Leviathan. And you can look that up and that'd be a fun thing to study about the dinosaurs in the Bible there in the book of Job. And so, um, and and so it's kind of, and and so and after that he sees them and he sees the greatness of God and I heard a story one time I was listening to a, 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 someone talking about how they were hiking and they were hiking out in the Rockies out west and um, and they were and this guy was thinking as they were hiking about and they've been on a long hike and if you've been out hiking for a long time you get parched you're thirsty you, you, the when you, you've been walking up and down hills, the smaller your back, get, you, your back starts aching, your knees ache a little bit. And, and this guy was with his son, and his son started complaining about his tummy hurting. And so he's thinking, of, oh, i got to get back to camp. My back hurts. My knees hurt. Everything hurts. Do I have enough water? Are we going to be all right? And then as he goes off in this clearing on this trail, they're in the Rockies, he sees about 100 yards away from them a big grizzly rear up on its hind legs and growl at them and he says immediately I didn't notice my knees aching or my back hurting or my little boy's tummy aching I saw that guy's purposes and that he could be here within a split second and have us for lunch and and all of a sudden he's not thinking because there was something greater and that's kind of what happens in Job that Job sees this great God and what he's made and then after that Job really doesn't talk that much because he's like hey God's got this and he, and, and he doesn't need to defend himself, and he applies that truth, and God ends up bringing back his wealth and his thing, but it was all something there. of things. So we might say, well, look at this ministry or that ministry. Look how God's blessed them or not blessed them. And we use a metric that's often not a metric of the Bible or a metric of grace. We use a metric of business often, 
Because we can look at that and say, man, a lot of these false teachers have really been blessed by God for not preaching the true gospel. But that's not true. Uh, We need to look at, so what does it mean to be blessed? And you may be in one of those circumstances, and you may look at somebody else, and and they're like, I'm blessed. And you're like, well, I don't have that, or I don't have that thing, or, you know, um, you know, yesterday you might have seen someone, they just finished the, you know, the Greater Clarksburg 10K, and they said, finish in record time, hashtag blessed with health, or whatever, and you're sitting there thinking, man, I just cut through Taco Bell, and I'm busy with this, and I've got a ache here, and ache there, and physical therapy then, and and you're thinking, well, I'm not blessed, and whatnot. So what does that mean? So anyway, I want to start off with what the word means, and because this is a little bit of a biblical theology, and what biblical theology means is where you trace the idea of a thought throughout the Bible, and as it's developed. So I opened up my uh, computer program and looked for this word blessed or blessed or blessed or the, or the, the blessed um, and found uh, in the ESV 481 verses, in the New King James 465, and in the King James 454 verses that have uh, one of this word in English. And there's four different words uh, in the originals, uh, two Hebrew words and two Greek words that are translated throughout the Bible, blessed or the blessed. And the most common would be that what Barak, uh, uh, it means to bend the knee or praise God. And you see this a lot in the, in the Old Testament. Blessed be the name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless this. Um, that I'm, I'm giving a praise or bending my knee to bless the Lord. And that's we see that particularly a lot in the Psalms, Genesis Psalms. In fact, I actually did a little pie chart that I wasn't able to put on the on the on the screen, but I got this little pie chart of all the references of uh, blessed in the Bible. And the two big pieces of the pie are Genesis, Psalms, Luke, and then Revelation have the most references there of the word blessed. And so, um, so it would be a, a blessed or a praise to God. But then there's also in the Old Testament. The idea of a state of happiness or contentment. And this would be like, and then Saul says to David, may the Lord blessed, be blessed my son David. And you do great things to prevail. Or, but King Solomon shall be blessed and the throne of David shall be established forever. So um, this was this, uh, this going on. And then, but also the, the Old Testament also gave some more depth to what that meant. And it was to someone that had, and it was in a right relationship with God. So blessed, bow the knee to God, but to have a right relationship with God. So in our scripture reading, we looked at that, uh, the Psalm 1. And so the Psalms, are, you know, are these poetry, this songbook right in the middle of the Bible. And, and particularly when you get to the Psalm, the second Psalm and after, it's a lot about our relationship with God and God's relationship within the world and the, the nations, the raging and things like this. But Psalm 1, which is kind of this gateway into the book of the Psalms, and it points out that those who would worship God have to embrace his law. If you're going to know God and be blessed by God, you've got to be people of the book. And so that's what we are. We are, as someone said, a book club that's been same, stuck on the same book for 2,000 years. Okay? And so we are people of the book. And so, so he says, the, the, these people, the, the blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of God and understands the way of sinners or sits in the seat of of the scornful, but his delight is in the law or the words, the design of God and the law of God. And in this law, he meditates day and night. Psalm 1, by the way, is a great passage to go for arguing for a philosophy and rationale behind Christian education. 
Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Stand in the way of sinners. Sit in the seat of the scornful. His delights in the law of the Lord. Eschew negative influences on the mind and, in, and teaching and thoughts. Seats of the scornful. And being, being in the word of God and inculcated into the word of God. But before having a close relationship with God, you have to have a right relationship considering God's very words. So, be careful with the counsel of the ungodly. Those that would counsel you. you have, we have counsel of the ungodly around us everywhere. Don't listen to it. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful, meaning you're putting yourself in the classroom of the scornful, in the seat where they will teach you. You're putting yourself before them. And some of us do that every night when you sit in the seat of your couch and you turn on Netflix. And you think you're checking your brain out. But there is scornful ones teaching you. And it's, it's, it affects the way we think. That we, when you, it, it could be you sitting there. You might watch. I, I, I mean, I'll just say I like Fox News. Okay, it's okay. You can throw tomatoes later. But you know what? I'll be watching the news. And I'll be getting, oh, they're this. Oh, I can't believe they're ruining this country. And you, get all, and you know what? That temperament, that, that, that's just as ungodly. God's in control. I mean, I mean when, when people were bombing and doing this, God was in control. I mean, they're not going to change anything. And am I living for a lasting kingdom or the kingdom that's here? You know, and, you just got, and it's, it, it, there's this thinking in this. So when it comes to people saying, you know, I mean, there's so much of this, especially in our the, the self-help, don't feel guilty, be the best you, you know. Well, I feel this and you know when someone says well I just feel this they are appealing to their highest authority and their highest authority is emotion and the Bible would say no the highest authority is the word of God but his delights in the law of the Lord and so we're not listening to gossip and uh, talking about people when they're not in the room or or sharing our concerns or whatever we're not putting ourselves in those seats and walking in that council we're getting those things so but so blessed is more than an emotional state and Psalm 1 is starting the end of that in the Old Testament that it includes spiritual well-being. It's delight and communion with the Creator. There are many times in the Old Testament that God would use the word blessed when he would say to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to have a nation from you. And in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And God's starting to in, in, uh, this idea of blessed includes a spiritual well-being for a group of people. And so I'm going to put, I've got a, got a definition that I stole from um, the Evangelical Dictionary, Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology, and it's this, a condition or state of being in God's grace and or favor. What it means to be blessed. And so in the New Testament, there's two other words, two Greek words, um, and um, that are used in blessed. And one is called uh, Mercurios, to be happy or blissful, self-contained happiness. And the Greeks use this word in, in secular literature or pagan literature, speaking of the enjoyment that the gods had, the, the Greek gods, uh, the, the, the lifestyles that they lived. That they lived the blessed life. But they also used Mercurios, was what they called the island of Cyprus. They called it the island of happiness. And, and they called that because Cyprus was supposed to be this perfect place, this place where the geography was just right, the climate was just right, the soil was fertile to grow things. It was that place. 
And sometimes we might think that way, right? Um, man, you know, at the beach or at this place or this place where this is just where it's perfect. Life's always good, right? Um, and, um, but you know the problem is? Not everyone lives on Cyprus, right? And so if we let the secular view of happiness, and inside the word happiness, you can hear that word happenings, that happiness is dependent upon the circumstances around us. But the Bible brings that blessedness to something more, something deeper. <clears throat> because, <clears throat> I mean, none of you are on Cyprus right now. And, um, and we don't live there. We live in a place where we have cold winters and gray skies and things like that, right? So what do you do when you're in those? Are you not blessed? And so the New Testament comes and brings this strong spiritual content to the idea of being blessed. Because sometimes we think that those are the times, those are the things that we get. So in the last couple of weeks, I've talked to two different men, um, one of which recently has a six-figure income in our area and walked away from it. Because he's just questioning things and wondering about things. Has everything that we would see as the blessed life. Family, house, everything. I was talking to another man who retired recently and had saved up and planned to retire to move down to the Myrtle Beach Murals Inlet area. And uh, just loved it. Thinks it's great. I'm going to be at the beach. This is great. But he's going through a divorce now and he's had a granddaughter in a terrible accident. And if you ever... And I don't know if any grandparent should ever have to experience that. And, and it's just eating him up, and it's killing him. And so the happy place, his, his Cyprus is miserable. He's not blessed. He doesn't feel blessed. And so the New Testament brings us into this idea of that this condition or state of being in God's grace and favor. It's used three times in the New, in the New Testament. Uh, we, we see that um, in Romans 4. We see it in Galatians um, that um, there are, um, in the New Testament, 112 references to this word, bless, blessed, blessing. And I want you to note this. So I want to give a few. We read, we read there in Matthew 5, where Jesus would say, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are when others will revile you and persecute you. That's another one. Here's another sampling. I'll put this on in verses there. Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Blessed rather are those who hear the word, Jesus says, and keep it. And then here's where I want to go. Romans chapter 4. This is a great passage. Let's go ahead and turn there, if you, if you would. Romans chapter 4. Romans 4. Verse 6 says, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from the works. And then here, Paul quotes from Psalm 32, I believe. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are forgiven. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin, or to whom the Lord doesn't impute iniquity, because he's imputed the righteousness of Jesus. So blessed through the New Testament, God is calling. He's saying that the blessed are those that have sins are forgiven and they've been given the righteousness of Jesus. And then another passage here in James chapter one. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. How are you blessed in trial? 
remaining steadfast in trial. And then several passages here we have uh, in Revelation 14. Um, Revelation 14, verse 13 says that I've heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Lord, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. And then one more in uh, Revelation 19, 9, it says, and the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Now, this is just a sampling of the over 100 passages in the New Testament that have this word blessed. And you know what you didn't see in any of them? Anything about financial material prosperity, did you? No. Anything about circumstances being great? There's even one about remaining steadfast under trial. And so, brothers and sisters, let the scriptures set the definition of what it means to be one that is blessed. And so, according to the keyword study Bible, the Greek word translated blessed in these passages means to be fully satisfied. To be fully satisfied with God. And you know why you are satisfied with God? Because you have his favor. Remember, those that have God's grace and favor. So Christian, you know you've been forgiven. You know you're saved. You have God's grace and favor. Just as David describes the blessedness of the man whom the Lord imputes righteousness apart from works. This is huge. And then as we opened our service with in Ephesians 1, blessed be the Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places and then he, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. That's a key phrase there. In the beloved. How do you know if you're loved of God? How do you know you are blessed? How do you know God loves you? You ever thought about that? Because we, we, we've hijacked the whole Bible and made it very me, individual, right? It's all, and, and this kind of happened in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and there was, you know, theology has a problem with it. The, the, the evangelical um, mass evangelism had a part in that, and also the psychological world had a part in that, of just making everything. And part of the Industrial Revolution had a part of that, of why this mindset came apart. Because ideas don't just come out of a vacuum. There's lots of components. You know, for instance, before the Industrial Revolution, if you were born in a certain village or certain town, you just assumed most of your life was decided for you. You're going to marry someone from that town. You're probably going to do a similar trade that your parents did. That was that. So the idea of what am I going to do and where am I going to go, and that was kind of forward, foreign. And, and so it's a wonderful thing, a post-industrial type idea that we have all these options in education. But the negative is we have this mindset of like, what's me? What's God's will for me? And me, 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 my. And we think so much of that. And so I remember one time I was just really, I mean, you, I've told you this many times. I've, you know, many times in life struggled with doubts and things like that or just getting down and depressed. And I thought, well, how do I even know God loves me? And I just started thinking about through the Bible about that. Well, how do I know God would love me? And you know what I found? is how I could actually say from the Bible that I know God loves me 
is when I found myself inside his body, his beloved, his people, being one of his children, part of his bride. And I know his affections on his bride. And that's my identity. And I'm a part of his bride. And that his affections on that, I'm part of his beloved. And so when I read things like when John would write, when the elder John would write in first, second, third John, and he would say, beloved. And you know what I can see that that means? Hey, you, lo- loved of God. You're the loved of God. You're the beloved. Loved of God. Um, I wanted to share just briefly with you. Well, not, not briefly, that's a lie. Um, um, R.A. Torrey, years ago, put together a, a list of um, subjects of those that are the blessed or the loved. And um, I'm going to read it. He's got 43 of them. And uh, uh, the ones whom God chooses. We see this in Psalm 63 and also here in Ephesians 1. The ones whom God calls. Uh, we saw that in Revelation 19. Those called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Um, those who know Christ in Matthew 16, those who know the gospel, the good news, Psalm 89 tells us those are the blessed, those who are not offended at Christ, those who believe, those who suffer for Christ, Luke says, those who have have the Lord as their God, those who trust in God, many of the Psalms, but the ones that are blessed are those that have trust in God, those who fear God, Psalm 112 and 128, those are the blessed ones, Uh, Psalm 112, those who delight in keeping God's commandments, those who wait for the Lord, Isaiah 30, those who uh, frequent the house of God are the blessed, Psalm 65 and Psalm 84. Those who avoid wicked and wicked influences, Psalm 1. Those who watch for the Lord, Luke 12. Those who die for the Lord, Revelation 14. Those who have part in the first resurrection. Those who are favored saints in Ruth 2 and Genesis 12. Those who are undefiled. Those who are just. Those who are children of the just. Those who are righteous. Those who are poor in spirit, meek, merciful, bountiful, peacemakers, holy mourners, saints at judgment day, Matthew 25. Those who eat bread in the kingdom of God, Revelation 19. These are the blessed that the Bible calls. So, are you blessed? And I gave that definition from that um, study Bible that the blessed are those that are satisfied in God. So I would say that a blessing for you a blessing. What's a blessing? When, is, when do I know a blessing came in my life? Something positive, something negative. Is a blessing is anything that God uses to make me satisfied in him. And you know, sometimes God uses trials to, to uh, rip off Laura's story as his blessings in disguise. Um, that anything that draws us closer to God is a blessing. And often trials and disappointments, and, and those are the things that enable that. And, and God's greatest blessing is, is always himself. I mean, the blessing of Abraham to the nations was be the Christ. I mean, this is the end to bring us to God, that God himself is the end. And so when we have God, if you have God, if you know Christ, if you're a part of the beloved, you are blessed. And so, I just want to, so Laura Story's song, we pray for blessings, we pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing and for prosperity. We pray your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And all the while, you hear each spoken need, yet love is way too much to give us lesser things. 
Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? What if the greatest disappointment, so the aching of this life, is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? What if trials in this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest things, are blessings, are mercies in disguise? And so, a few points of application. Are you blessed? If you're not here and you don't know Christ, he is inviting you through his Son through the blood, through the Christ is dead and buried and risen again and offered to you. If you'll believe that, accept that, repent and believe, renounce your sin, rely on him, depend upon him, believe on Christ, you can be part of his blessed, beloved people. It's a free offer to all. And this would be a wonderful day to to believe on him and receive that great blessing of salvation. And others, do you consider, what do you consider? What do you consider to be the evidence of God's favor and grace upon you? Seriously, think, what do you consider? Maybe you're someone that would be like me and say, like, well, this was God's blessing and this wasn't God's blessing. So what do you, do you consider when things are going great and things are going well and you have this and you're sitting at the beach and you got your coffee and your coffee and thermos in one hand and your book in the other and you're staring at your feet and you're putting Instagram pictures of your feet in the sand and, and is that the blessed life? But what about when everything's not going well and what if when you, you've overdrawn on the account and, 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 and things aren't going well with the family and, it, it, you know, um, and it's not filtered with the whatever filter you put on your Instagram picture. Do you consider that to yourself? What do you consider to be the evidence of God's favor and grace upon you? And I really want to challenge you to let the scriptures change your thinking in that, that you might need to, we need to be, the Bible says, be renewed in our mind, that I would not see that as evidence of the blessings of God because I would be like one of Job's friends and say, oh, you're not blessed, Job. That, that you would see the evidence of God's favor, God's blessings on your life of what you have in Christ. And what he's doing to draw you to be more satisfied in him. So what if God is bringing circumstances into your life to bring about a deeper blessing? What if God is bringing those circumstances into your life to bring about a deeper blessing of you being closer to him? Of you being right with him? Um, I was reading last night. I never knew this. I was sharing this during the Sunday school hour. I never knew this. Um, Burke Parsons, who's uh, kind of replacing R.C. Sproul at Ligonier, uh, I never knew that he was actually part of the original Backstreet Boys um, and turned it down. And then later on was actually offered to come on to what was called NSYNC um, and and turned that down as well. And you can look it up. There's a Tim Challey's little article thing on it and stuff like that. You can look it up online, Burke Parsons and that. And um, which I can't even imagine because he's so like suit and tie, you know, whatever. But um 
Anyway, but I was seeing his testimony a little bit that when he was a kid, you know, his parents divorced and, you know, normally we think, oh, terrible, that ruins kids' lives and that's, you know, how can that be a blessing? And he talked about how God used that to make him start thinking these deep thoughts and where God was and what was God doing and where, you know, and it was all these circumstances. Then he went to a Christian school and he had a, had a teacher that was saying, hey, you're going to serve God or you're going to serve money. And that was one of the things that um, God used, a teacher from his Christian school kind of holding him down about that when he was offered that job with that, uh, to be part of that band and go long term with them and things like this and uh, so so these things these things that would have been you would think oh my word that's gonna that, that that's a terrible situation in the development of a young child and that's I mean the statistics I mean are all against them and all the studies this is gonna ruin them their chances are so low and I mean you know and, and whatever it is with your woke whatever whatever he's ruined now but he's like wait what if God but God used that to um, bring him about to, to a, a deeper relationship. So what if God's using the, whatever you're going through, it might be a financial thing or a family thing or a health thing. What if God's using that circumstance to bring about a deeper blessing? And that one day you can look back and you can say, that was a blessing. It was a blessing that God did that. And we could all go around our lives and look at trials that God used and say, you know what? That trial, that circumstance, that was a blessing in disguise. And so, and then the final application question is, do you really see, do you really see that the greatest blessing that you have is in the gospel of Christ? That you being in his beloved, in his body, his people, that you being part of his bride, do you really see that that's the greatest blessing you have? And if you don't, 